Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast with me, Marion Ellis, a chartered surveyor, coach, business mentor, and founder of the Surveyor Hub community. Each week on this podcast, I speak to surveyors and people in the industry about their careers, business journeys, and day-to-day work. Listen to their real-life stories, step into their shoes, and leave feeling connected to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast. As you might be able to tell, my name is not Marion Ellis. Instead, you got me, Phil Parnham, one of the directors of Blue Box Partners and a close colleague of Marion. In this podcast, I will be interviewing Alan Milstein, the chairman of the Residential Property Surveyors Association, which is focused on supporting the interests of independent residential surveyors and making surveys more attractive to home buyers. Although a practicing surveyor, he spends most of his time lobbying government and industry stakeholders to promote the importance of surveys and the skills of the independent practitioner. So, hello, Alan. Thanks for taking the time out to be part of this podcast. But my first question is, is um, well, how is the pandemic treating you? Well, hello, Phil. Good, uh, nice to see you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to you today. I must say, I count myself incredibly lucky. As far as the pandemic is concerned, uh, I've managed to keep myself very, very busy. In fact, probably busier than I normally am with all the activities that we've been working on for RPSA. Uh, and in many ways, it's given us an opportunity to focus a little bit more on, you know, on talking to members and spending a bit more time on that than perhaps we often have the opportunity to. Personally, been fit and healthy. I've been, I'm, I'm a keen runner, so I go out running most mornings and that's kept me, uh, kept me well occupied, I think. Great, great. Have, have you been doing surveys? Have you been getting out and about in that sense or is it mainly online stuff you do these days? Well, mostly online. And, and, and in fact, what's happened in, in recent months is that I've had to hang up my disto, as it were, and take sort of step back from doing surveys to work full time for the RPSA for the last 10 years. I have been essentially an unpaid volunteer chairman of the RPSA, and we took the decision earlier this year that we wanted to restructure the organisation and really move it forwards in a very big way. And so I and a couple of colleagues, uh, Jerry Quinnell and Andy McColl, we put aside our own surveying businesses to work full-time for the RPSA. Okay. Uh, and, and, And it seems that the opportunity has been been well received and we've achieved an awful lot in the last few months. Great. Okay. Um, c- can we just turn the clock back a little bit then and just ask you, how did you get into s- uh, residential surveying? What what was your route into the sector? Well, I came at it. I know that having listened to many of your podcasts is that, that people often say, well, it was accidental and, and so on and so forth. Mine wasn't. Mine was very determined. Uh, I had spent most of my working career in sales and marketing, and I've sold literally everything from Mickey Mouse watches to margarine, and quite literally. So I, I came from a very different background, but I can remember I'd been made redundant back in the early 2000s, and I was working for myself in a manufacturing business. And I can remember hearing in about 2002 or 2003, somebody talking about the forthcoming sellers' packs. Oh, dear. Right. I remember yeah. that, yeah. Mm. 
which of course became the home information pack and 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 then there is a long long history there but they were talking about the new type of surveyor that would be needed to do the surveys for home information packs and at the time i thought well that sounds like something that i could get interested in and roll on then in 2005 i signed up to sava to do the fast track one become a home inspector I finished that, which is effectively what the DIPAR serve is today, but without the valuation element. And I've completed that in 2006, by which time, of course, the government had pulled the plug on the survey within the home information pack. And I thought, well, no, I've trained to be a surveyor. I'm going to be a surveyor. And that's what I set out to do. Set up my own business, CHIPS, Chichester Home Information Packs, as it was then, became uh, Chichester Property Surveyors. CHIPS Surveyors set up in 2008. And yeah, then worked for the next however long, 12 years as an independent surveyor. Uh, during that time, I'm very lucky, just on my doorstep, I've got West Dean College. And West Dean College is one of the foremost learning places for uh, building conservation. So I did a professional development diploma in building conservation and specialised in doing surveys for home buyers on mainly listed and historic buildings. So I'm not a member of the RICS, never have been. I don't do valuation. I literally just do surveys for home buyers. And I think keeping that very focused approach to my work has been very successful for me. What's the one thing you like about being a surveyor, you know, in terms of doing surveys? What what aspects particularly attracts you about? I think there's two things, actually, I would pick out as being the, the two key things. Number one is variety. Even in a row of houses which are all identical on a road, you walk into each of them and every single one is different. And so you never know what you're going to face. So I think the variety is is the number one thing. The number two thing, and I think it's something that is very easy to lose sight of for surveyors, is although we produce surveys as our product, that's not what we're delivering. What we are delivering are dreams. And we are delivering the dreams of our clients and helping them realize their dreams. And that's what we need to focus on. And I think that it's it's a privilege to be able to do that for people and to help them realize their dreams and move into the houses where they're going to have their new families, they're going to live their lives. And I think particularly over the last few months during the pandemic, when we've all been spending a lot more time in our homes, our homes have become more important. And so our role as surveyors has become more important. Because it's quite interesting you use the term dreams. Um, a lovely guy, sadly, is no longer with us, uh, David Dalby. I don't oh, know if yes. you came in. Yes. You know David? Uh, yes. you, or you knew David, uh, sadly died a few years ago. But he used to say surveyors can be dream killers, <laughs> is, is that, you know, yeah, our clients do go along and have a look at that dream house. And by the time we come along, they've already moved in in their mind, haven't they? They're, they're, they've, you know, sorted the furniture out, what rooms are going to be used for what. And then, then we come along and just stick the boot in if we're not. Well, I, I, you know, I, I like to think that we are dream, we are facilitators. I think most times that people have agreed to buy a house, they want to buy the house, the seller wants to sell the house. It's not our job to stop people doing that. Our job is to help them do it, but to help them do it in an informed way. So I've always taken the approach that we are an important part of the house buying and selling process because we help validate people's decisions. But what we want to do is to make sure they're making informed decisions. And when we do a survey, and and that's, I think, as we will come on to, one of the reasons why I think doing full thorough inspections is so important, because then we can give people the full story of what it is they're, they're buying into. 
And in most cases, we don't want to put people off buying properties. What we want to do is inform them and help them work their way through any issues that we identify on the way. So I look at this as a very positive process. And I do think that as an industry, that's one of the areas that we need to really focus on changing the perception. And I think very often the perception of people is that surveyors are out there to prevent people buying houses. And if you talk to a lot of estate agents, perhaps I'm sure that that will be. Uh, in fact, I spoke to an estate agent yesterday and they said, oh, you know, we don't want to recommend this client to this particular surveyor because he, you know, he's Dr. Death. He always kills the sale, you know. And that's something that we as surveyors need to change that perception amongst parts of the industry. But, but there's a tension there, isn't it? The estate agents are there to move products. Well, you're a salesperson originally, whereas um, maybe to give clients that, that balanced view, we do sometimes have to point out the things they have to seriously think about. So there is a tension there, isn't it? I guess, are you saying, is it is it just flipped over uh, the wrong side of that balance. I, I think it's how you how, how you view it. I don't see that as a tension at all. I think we are there, and one of the organisations that RPSA works with is is the National Association of Estate Agents. And we work quite closely with them because what we want to do is to explain to estate agents that actually a survey, if it's a full thorough survey, it really looks at the property in detail. We can give answers, not questions. And by giving answers, by explaining what the defects are, and by helping the client understand them, they can work through that. From the estate agent's point of view, whether the house sells for 260000 or 250000 doesn't really matter that much because he's on a commission. And so the difference is quite small, but he wants the sale. And so we're saying, well, yeah, we want to help you get that sale. There may be a negotiation on the price once we can understand the defects and the clients, both buyer and seller can understand those properly. And so that's why it's so important that when we do surveys, we investigate fully and thoroughly, and then we can give answers, not questions, what we want to avoid. And I think where the tension has been created in the past is by reports full of get further investigations, I can't tell you this, I can't tell you that, because that creates doubt in the buyer's mind. We want to reduce that doubt, give them certainty, and they are far more confident then to go ahead. Okay, if we can just move on to that, that thorough survey. Uh, there's a phrase, isn't it, that it's, it's always challenging to define. And, and just move on to what the RPSA have recently published. And, and I'm just quickly looking for the title. It's survey Inspection and Reporting Standards. Sirs, um, IRS, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Um, uh, now, does that define this thorough survey? I mean, I was reading it the, the other day and, and it seems like you focus on there's one level of inspection survey, whatever you want to call it, and two different types of report that arise from it. So... Yep. Um, the principle, I think that we have to go back a little bit and say that an awful lot of home buyers don't commission a survey. And, and the figures anecdotally are around 80% of home buyers don't commission a survey. And I think we have to start with the principle of that's just plain wrong. We need to change that. It's so important that people get proper advice about the condition of the property. So I, I think we have to do that. And, and I have always felt that one of the main reasons why people don't get a survey is that it's just too complicated for them. And we need to make it simple. And there's a principle in design, which means, which says it's the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. And I think that's where we have to start from. And let's face it, with, with the average home buyer, they will move once every 23 years. The figures show that 
you know, after their initial move, a home buyer will move 1.8 times in their life. So they move when they're 30, when they're 50, and when they're 70. That's it. So this is not a process that people are familiar with. And when they're faced with all the forms they've got to fill in for the conveyances and the estate agents and everybody else, it's a really complicated process and people can't get their heads around it. We need to keep this simple. And I think that starting a conversation with a client saying, well, you can have this one, this one, this one, or this one, and we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. It just complicates matters. What does the client want to know? They want to know that you as a professional are going to go and, and look at that property and tell them if there's something wrong. And so as a professional, I think that we're, it's our duty to do a, a thorough job. And that's where we start from. And so from the RPSA's point of view, for the RPSA survey inspection and reporting standards, there is only one type of inspection. And that is a full and thorough inspection. And the standard is one line. That's the standard, one line. As full and thorough a visual inspection as is reasonably possible to do, noting any limitations. Now, we're not going to pull up the footy carpets because it's not reasonable, because we can't put them back down again properly. We're not going to drill holes in the walls because we don't carry mortar to refill them and so on and so forth. And it's a visual inspection. So within that, it's just one simple inspection. And as far as the client's concerned, that's what they want. They want you to do a proper job. They want you to open all the windows. And I think for me, the principle of saying, well, in this survey, we're only going to open one window on that on each floor. And in this survey, it'll be one window on each floor. But if there's different types of window, we'll open two. It's, it's way too complicated. No, the, the buyer's buying all the windows. Let's open all the windows. Let's, if we're going to lift the drain covers, why would we lift the drain covers and then not flush the toilet through it? I know we've got to run down the stairs and, and at full speed and then get your shoes back on before the water's run through the drain and so on. But, you know, let's try it. Let's try it. We can, we can do that. And then if we look at the report, well, the report effectively decides itself. If it's a simple property, it's a simple report. If it's a more complicated property, it's a more complicated report. So if we look at a simple property, a modern 1980s cavity wall, straightforward, there may be some defects, but they will be more simple defects in the vast majority of cases. And so a simpler report, which doesn't need to go into huge detail about how to repair those defects, it will generally suffice. And if it's an older, an 1800 timber frame, whatever, or 16th, 16th century timber frame, whatever it is, it's, it's a much more complicated property. And therefore, we need a more comprehensive report to explain the details and the defects. There's the rub, isn't it? It's, it's always difficult with the reports. And, and I think you've mentioned, you know, 1800s and um, 1600s, more in-depth report, and, and the 1980s. But where's that crossover? That, that's the thing that's always challenged me personally, is, is, is where do you stop saying, well, actually, you, you do need a building survey level three or, or whatever your product's called on this one. Where, where, where's that uh, meeting of it, the two in the, majority of, in the majority of cases, it's fairly obvious. We look at the right move link, we can see the property, and then we can, you know, we can say, well, okay, yeah, it's a straightforward. If it's 1930s onwards, we can be pretty certain. And of course, with some local knowledge, we know what our property, you know, what sort of properties we're going to find locally. But I think the important thing, Phil, is that it actually doesn't matter because make reference to the, the, the recent case, which I'm sure a lot of surveyors have heard of, of, of um, the Hearts versus Richard Large. 
Now, I know that's gone to appeal and, and, and is waiting decisions and so on. I'm not going to talk about the detail of the case. Richard actually was an RPSA member going back in the day. He did, and, and the case revolved around a, a home buyer's report he did back in 2011, I think it was. And a very large award was made against him. But one of the questions that came up in the original court case is, should he, when he had got on site, have thought, oh, I can't do a home buyer's report, I need to do a building survey. And of course, that would have meant him going back to the client and renegotiating and so on and so on. That doesn't happen here because we're doing a full and thorough inspection. We're doing the same inspection. It does not matter what the end report is. And frankly, if it turns, if I turn up on site and I've sold somebody a, a home buyer survey, a home condition survey, and I turn up on site and actually the property is a bit more complicated, well, I'm doing the full inspection anyway. And the amount of difference in writing the report is comparatively small. So frankly, there's not a lot in it. I might as well write, if, if it needs a building survey report, well, I'll give them the building survey report because that's going to meet the need for the client. And our most important ambition here should be meeting the need of our client and helping to give them the answers. So it sorts itself out. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I noticed looking at the, the new survey inspector, SIRS, just to get, <laughs> the, uh, get it right, is that... It's not mandatory, though, is it, in those terms? That I think it says it's, it's advisory. And it goes on to say that if RPSA uh, m- members, you know, vary from what's described in, in, the, in, in the document, then they must tell the client where that variety is. So, so, so this, even RPSA members can vary that level of service. Well, I think that you know the inspection we know is the inspection and the, the it's the report that maybe there may be some nuances in the report. I think as far as whether it's it, it's advisory or mandatory is concerned, I'm very much of the opinion is is if you make something mandatory, you have to police it. There is for me no purpose whatsoever in having a policing system which is only reactionary. You have to be proactive in policing something. You cannot say oh, we'll only deal with it if there's a complaint. Because I don't, I think, you know, that's too late. You shouldn't have a complaint in the process. Now, we'll, I know we're going to come on to talking about the RPSA panel in a little while, but for the RPSA panel, we do quality assessments and we do quality assessment against the standards, against the SERS. So somebody who's doing work for the RPSA panel has to offer a, a particular type of product, and we'll explain why that is and so on, but they have to work according to the, the survey inspection and reporting standards. As far as other members are concerned, when, I mean, we, we have toyed with making these standards mandatory and putting in place a quality management process to monitor that people are doing this the whole time, because that is the only way to do it. If you'll make it mandatory, you've got to police it. The logistics of doing that are quite onerous. And because we are going through such a period of strong growth at the moment, the RPSA has grown its membership by more than 30% in the last few months. We're growing so fast that making a commitment to do that is just, just practically not possible at this point. It is our intention, and we have said that in the future, we will do quality assessment of every single member every single year. And that is not with the intention of beating people over the head or wrapping their knuckles or chucking them out. It's with the intention of helping them write better surveys. Mm -hmm. So 
So that, that, that would be for all members rather than those just on the panel. Ultimately, ultimately, yes. But it is quite a, I mean, you, I know you, you know, yourself, you do quality reviews of surveys and so on personally. It, it is quite a, a challenging task and, and it is quite, but it, it takes we will, some time, doesn't it? It yeah, does take time. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's got to be the right people doing those assessments yeah. as well. So, you know, once the association has sort of stabilized a certain amount, I mean, I do anticipate that we're going to continue growing very rapidly over the next, you know, year or so. But we will get to that point where, you know, that's the, that's where we want to achieve. Mm. Uh, is mm. that so? So is it mandatory? No, it's not. Because to make it mandatory, you've got to police it. We haven't got the infrastructure at this point to be able to do that. We will what, what, what about, um, you know, and the, the other thing about helping and assisting the public is um, what about if they complained about an RPSA member? Do you have a, like a disciplinary process or a review process in those cases? Well, the review process, yeah. I mean, we would look at, you know, service. The, all surveys are contracted with a surveyor. So even through our panel, the, the contract is with the surveyor. So it's the surveyor's own PI and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, we're there to, to help support them with any issues like that. But again, I, I have a great issue personally with, with a complaints process. I think most people, uh, they don't have a complaint, they have a question. And it's just helping them understand what it is that, that we've done and how we've delivered it to them. Again, if people are doing full and thorough inspections, we actually find that people have very few questions because the surveyor generally has spent the time at the property to make sure they don't miss things. Mm. We all miss I mean, there will always be the occasional occasion. And, and uh, but I suppose it's that occasion, isn't it? It's just about trying to create that confidence with the public that... If they ask an RPSA member to carry out their survey, then there'll be certain standards that they will meet. And for good reasons or not, often clients, the members of the public will be dissatisfied about the level of service and the, well, I don't know, the, the, uh, whether they, the surveyor replied promptly uh, to their calls, that sort of thing. I, yeah, I mean, in those cases, would you... Uh, discipline the member or take action or talk to them about it ultimately yes i mean yes we do and we we certainly through our panel we we have on occasion had to you know remove somebody from the panel simply because we weren't satisfied that the you know the, the reports were of high enough standard but i do think both from personal experience and the experience of our panel is that where we're doing really full thorough inspections actually the number of queries and questions you get afterwards is very very small and when you look at uh, we, we, we've done quite a lot of analysis of of you know complaints and claims and so on and so forth and actually the number of claims against condition surveys is very small it's very small most surveyors do a really good job, which is fantastic. And I think that what we try, what we don't want to create within RPSA is 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 standing with with a sword hanging over people's necks, waiting for them to trip up. We take the very different view of it's all about helping people achieve a higher standard, and that's everything we do is is aimed towards that. Right. Okay. 
Lovely. Now, maybe move on to the panel. You mentioned the panel a couple of times. And like I was saying earlier, uh, there's always a bit of discussion goes on on the hub about panels and and whether they're worth getting involved with and what are the pros and cons. And um, I was looking at RPSA uh, websites and um, you can get, you know, a quote. Uh, uh, Could you talk us through how the panel works and what advantages it may have? Yeah, sure. I think that it's important to sort of look back at the history, if you like, of the RPSA, because that that has sort of created the position we are now. So in the early days, when we first formed, you mentioned David Dolby, first of all, the RPSA actually came out of a series of meetings that were held around the country. And I think in 2010, which was Mike Ockenden, who was Director of General of the Association of Home Information Pack Providers, David Dolby from RICS, and Brian Scannell, who was at SAR at the time. And that was actually what created the RPSA, because there was a lot of home inspectors there who were disenfranchised. Those is home inspectors couldn't join the R- RICS. Even though the RICS had actually trained some of those people, they wouldn't accept them into membership because they didn't have a valuation qualification and therefore it didn't map against the pathways. And so a lot of these people were displaced. And eventually what we recognised was that the only product that many of these people could offer would be the Sava Home Condition Survey. And, and so we sort of started in the very early days of saying, how could we help people offer this product into the marketplace. And we came up with the idea of a panel and we worked with a number of people. And, and as we're often with these things, you get sort of full starts and so on. Coming later on, we recognised that there was a demand for a greater range of products and in particular building survey. Ultimately, and I think we maybe come back to it a little bit, but, but ultimately we created our own product, which was a, a building survey product based on a full comprehensive inspection and full of photographs and so on and so forth. And we started showing that to various potential introducers, and they loved it. They thought it was a fantastic product, and because we could deliver it in a consistent way, they thought that was very attractive. And that's really how the panel came about. So the way the panel works, we receive instructions in two ways. First and foremost, it's open to any RPSA member. So you have to be an RPSA member to be on our panel. You don't pay anything extra to be on our panel. Uh, RPSA membership for, is £10 a month, £120 a year, which I like to think is the bargain of the century. For anybody listening, go to www.rpsa.org.uk. Okay. And Less in the adverts, more in the info. <laughs> but uh, we actually need more people on our panel because we've got a lot of work coming in. So consumers can go to our website. They often find their way there from things like on the gov.uk, there's a how to buy guide, which the government produces. And there's a click through on there on the survey section. It says you need to get a survey and RPSA is one of the, the um, click throughs on there. Also, Money Advice Service, which and people like that have links through. So a lot of consumers come directly to our website. We also get introducers, and one that we, we've spoken about and we are you know, sort of quite open about is Legal and General, for instance, LMG. And so all their building survey instructions, they don't do building surveys mostly through, you know, through their panel, but they, 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 send, they send them through to us, which is great. And we have agreed on the introducers, we have agreed pricing structures, and with the consumer ones, we will price it Usually, we, we use a sort of um, price bands to work out the fees. But we RPSA is a not-for-profit organisation for the benefit of its members. So our primary interest with the panel is to get the maximum fees for our members. That's the most important thing. So that's where we start from. 
of course, everybody always wants fees greater, but we do the very best we can. But what we do is we give 70% of the total gross fee goes to the surveyor. Might be 69 or 71, just old tweaks, but basically it's 70%. The rest of that fee, we may pay a commission to an introducer, and the rest of it then is goes towards running costs for the panel, and also some money for the coffers of the RPSA, which allows us to offer other services through the RPSA. Can I just um, that 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 fee to the introducers uh, that comes out the thirty percent would, would that be declared as a well not a conflict of interest but but um, you know uh, part of the uh, commercial relationship? Do you state that to the client that uh, a fee has been paid to an introducer? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's you know it's it's all very clear and open and everybody knows what's going on. You know, we we you know it's it's it actually in most cases the introducers I, I think a very small or no fee. They they would rather have their client looked after really well and delivered a really good product, and that's the most important thing. So uh, so it will vary from from introducer to introducer and, and and they take different views. But actually, those fees are very very small in most cases. We are providing a very high quality service. And what people like about our service is that, number one, we, we do give a good service. Number two, it's a consistent product. Number three, we do quality assurance on that product so to make sure we get the consistency. And I think what a lot of people have found in the past is that, that you know, w- when somebody's got a, a survey in, in Brighton and then got one in Bradford, the two products are so far apart, but they're called a building survey, but they're so far apart. And what people like is the consistency. But increasingly, I think we're finding we're getting more and more direct consumer links through to our, our panel. So we receive an instruction. We work as, a, as, a, as an agent on behalf of a surveyor, effectively. So we, we will liaise with the client. We then offer that instruction to a, one of our surveyors on our panel. So anybody who is a member can be on the panel. And we will offer it to them, but they get a text and an email that says, this is the property and here's the right move link. And here's the fee that you, will, you, the surveyor, will get. Do you want to accept it? So the surveyor has absolute freedom to choose. You know, if they're too busy with their own work, that's fine. If they on holiday, that's fine. But invariably, a lot of surveyors like that nice, simple approach. They don't want to have to go out and market themselves. And that's fine. You know, some people don't want to. And they're very happy with that. So, Sorry, uh, Alan, during that process, which, so you determine the fee based on the information the client has given or the introducers uh, uh, given. Would you also set up the terms and conditions and, and things like that? The terms of engagement are agreed with the surveyor and we will send them out on behalf of the surveyor. Right. Okay. So surveyor has agreed that he is happy to work with those terms engaged. Are they your terms and engagement the surveyor accepts or, or, or is it the other way around? Well, they're agreed. They're agreed yeah. between, okay. between all parties. And, and you know, the, the surveyor, because the surveyor is working to the standards, that they reflect what's in there. So it's a very, mm. you know, mm. it, I, I think that, you know, again, it's all about trying to keep things simple. Mm. You know, the terms of engagement, for instance, you know, they have the sort of key facts right at the front so the client sees exactly what it is they're getting but everybody knows what the deal is and that's the important thing you know no one is trying to hide anything from anybody everybody knows what the deal is from the surveyor's point of view yeah he's working to a set of standard terms of engagement which he's probably using for his own work anyway so it's all very simple and straightforward for him but just what one more thing on, on that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to overfocus on just the panel aspect of the RPSA, but you know, I think it is of interest 
for, for uh, you know um, surveyor sub mem- members is do they have to use a, a particular product or format of a survey? I mean, you you run Skyline surveys yes. uh, and the My Building survey. Yes. Could, could you sort of explain the relationship there? Yeah, maybe. So I think just to make it the point about how important the, the panel is, we put in the period from July to November. We put more than quarter of a million pounds of fees into our members' pockets through survey instructions, you know, which is phenomenal. We give back an awful lot more to our members in terms of fees than, than they pay us, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a really important part of the of, of why RPSA exists. I mentioned earlier on that, you know, initially many of our members were only able to do the Saba Home Condition Survey product, which was a you know a good product. Uh, and I think probably you were part of, of forming oh, that. Don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it goes back to, you know, anyway. But we recognised that we, and as I said earlier, that we needed a, a, a building survey product to sit alongside that to offer through our panel. And what we did then was we actually embarked on a, on a sort of a research project around the industry, looking at all the different types of software and products that were out there, because we had the need for the product. And when we looked at them, there was nothing out there that we felt really reflected what we wanted to achieve. Uh, we We were very much of the opinion that to do a building survey, it's not an iPad on site kind of product. This is, you know, it's a much more sort of comprehensive product. So we didn't want to go that route. And when we looked at what was out there and we looked at all the key, all the, the major sort of systems that are on the market, and, and I could name them all and so on, I won't, but there's lots of systems down. And none of them really met the need. So we looked then at how we could create and develop uh, our own products. Now, we already had a product which is effectively the My Building Survey format, which is a series of boxes with text in it and spaces for photographs. That's really what it is. And we actually came to the conclusion, and this was the RPSA Council, so it was not a personal decision or anything like that, but the RPSA Council had a look at all these different options, and we came to the conclusion, actually, the best thing would be to create our own product. That would give us much closer to what we wanted. The cost, if you've been involved in the cost of developing software, it is incredibly expensive. And we went out to the market, we we we, we tendered out and we got some quotes and there was a lot of zeros on those. Mm-hmm. And we simply could not, RPSA did not have those resources. So in the end, we've recognized that the best way to do this was for myself and colleague Jerry Quinnell to set up a commercial business to develop that software. We would invest in that software that would meet that need for RPSA. So very much it was a case of, of RPSA needed the product and we facilitated that by, by creating the Skyline Surveyors, which, which developed the product. So where we are today is an RPSA member can use whatever software he likes to write, whatever survey he writes, provided it falls within the survey inspection and reporting standards. It, there's no restrictions. If you want to work for our panel, though, then you have to use the Skyline software for building surveys or buy-to-let surveys. And you have a choice that you can also use the Sava Home Condition Survey uh, product to do home condition surveys. So over from the panel, we offer three products, home condition survey, building survey, buy-to-let survey. So the the surveyor has to use either the Sava product for home condition survey or for all those three products, he can use the Skyline. So, um, so that's the choice you're offering the public, isn't it? In, in a sense, those those three choices. You've got three surveys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the the buy to let survey 
and the home condition survey would meet the home survey standard. Mm-hmm. And the building survey obviously meets the building survey standard. It is worth just mentioning, though, though Phil, that, that anybody writing surveys to the RPSA survey inspection reporting standards would actually map across to the RICS standards and they would meet those standards as well. So for somebody, you know, we have a lot of members who are members of both organisations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a surveyor who's writing a survey, a building survey, for instance, for the RPSA panel using the Skyline software, that would meet all the requirements of the RICS home survey standards. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to cause conflicts for, yeah, for yeah. Uh, RPSA members. We understand that that you know the RPSA is not the only game in town, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we want to try and you know being as inclusive as possible. What would be the cost of using the software, the Skyline, uh, my build and survey? So it's 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 a pay per click process. So you know there's no upfront cost, and and that's the thing I think is important for surveyors. There's no training fee, no joining fee, no license fee, no nothing. They simply pay for what they use. And and that's £21 plus VAT for a building survey and £15 plus VAT for a, a home survey, which, you know, uh, and again, there's, you know, we can build in sort of nuances to that. But the important thing is that the product itself is really good. And one of the things that we have always been conscious of is that we want it to be a premium product because then you can command premium fees. And, and I think we have recognised that, you know, I know people talk about all oh, the race to the bottom of fees. No, there's no race to the bottom. There's actually a race to the top. And if we deliver really good products to consumers, then people will buy it. I always liken you know, the, our market, it's like any other market, really. You know, you can go and buy a tin of beans in, in Lidl, or Lidl, however you pronounce it, you know, for 9p. You can go and buy a tin of beans in in, in Tesco's or Sainsbury's for 39p, and you can buy a tin of beans in Marks and Spencer's or Waitrose for 59p. People will buy beans in all those outlets because they get a different experience and a different service and so on. And where we want to be is, is up in that sort of Waitrose, Marks and Spencer's part of the market because that's much better for our members. You know, yeah. why, why work for, for, for low fees if we can command good fees, but we deliver a really good product? So I thought that was really good. I thought that was um, nice to have that open discussion about the panel and relationships with um, RPSA and, you know, Skyline surveyors and, and things like that. So that's where we are now. And you've got, obviously, good plans, big plans for the future. You know, you're focusing oh. and your colleagues. Uh, I, I, I don't know, where, where will the RPSA be, be in 10 years' time? That sounds like an interview question. <laughs> that, you know? But, but what's your plans? What, what's okay. next? I, I think, you know, First and foremost, Phil, I think that we are now entering the golden age of surveying. One of the things that we're seeing is, is a gradual decoupling with lenders, a decoupling of valuations and surveys. And that seems to be happening across the industry, in large part because there is still a lot of valuation work around. So when you anybody who's studying valuation, it's not wasted, don't worry. But there's a lot more valuations now being done you know, without a visit to the property. Lenders are very, very conscious that their borrowers you know, need to have good information about the condition of a property. So I think that we are starting to see now a swing towards pressure being put on buyers to commission a survey. And I think that's that 20% that we spoke about earlier on. I think we're seeing that now increasing, and I think we will see that continue to increase. So what does RPSA do? Well, firstly, we want, you know, one of the things I spend a huge amount of my time working with other industry stakeholders. So that's the, you know, the lenders, the lawyers, conveyances, the estate agents, all these other groups working at a sort of national stakeholder level. 
promoting the importance of RPSA and RPSA surveys and what we can offer consumers. And I think this simple proposition of full and thorough inspections is a really good message to deliver. So in that environment, you know, we can see that the number of surveys that are going to be commissioned will continue to increase. So our job is to make sure that RPSA is out there flying the flag and recognises the brand that people want to buy into because they know it's going to be good quality. And, and I do think that, you know, we, we need to recognise that in the past, the image of surveying and surveyors has not been what it should be. If you go and look at things like Mumsnet or the MoneySavingExpert.com forum, there's a lot of negativity about surveys and they're not good. We need to change that. So that's really where we're focusing and where we're working very hard. But beyond that, I think there's massive opportunity for all sorts of new product areas. We're involved in discussions about things like property logbooks. And what's really interesting is what is a property logbook? It's a pack of information about a property that people get ready before they put it on the market. Oh, dear. Don't, don't mention that word. Where, where did I hear that before? You know? yeah. And what would be a really, really good thing to have in one of those packs of information? But a survey. And so you know, we are already talking to people about how we could open up this market and, and mm. change things. Mm. One thing I forgot to ask earlier. How, how many members have you got now? We're pushing up now towards 500. Okay. Um, and plans is, for the future? I mean, what, what's I your mean, aim? Hey, listen, you know, we welcome all surveyors to come and join us. I think the difference, Phil, is that, you know, we have one focus, and that's residential surveyors. And, you know, we want to, you know, the independent residential surveyor is our, our sole interest, if you like, in terms of promotion and, and development. And being so focused, I think we can really deliver great benefits to members in supporting them in, 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 in fighting their cause at a national level. And that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, £120 a year, £10 a month. It's, it's a, a bargain. Deal. It's <laughs> a bargain. Well, I, do you know what it is? We, we probably need to put the fees up, but I do think it's a bargain because I think we deliver an awful lot. The other thing we're looking to do is deliver lots more CPD support. I know you have a lot of students who listen to this. We want to do a lot more to help them. Of course, we're all stuck with the current situation, but that won't be forever. But you know, we want to deliver lots of low-cost or no-cost CPD, all sorts of benefits like that. So very ambitious. We, we want to work with surveyors of all types to really drive forward this industry and modernise it and refresh it. Lovely. Okay, well, thanks for that uh, candid uh, chat, uh, Alan. And um, as they say these days, stay safe and uh, hopefully... Uh, We'll get back to face-to-face stuff in the future. So. Thank you, Ria. We look forward to that, Phil. Thanks for today. It's been great to talk. And, uh, we, yeah, we hope to uh, talk to you again soon. So, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really do love hearing your feedback. So, please feel free to drop me a message. You can email me at marion.ellis at blueboxpartners.com or you can find me on social media at Marion Surveyor.